Okay, and we're live on The Niche Agent. So today we've got a great guest for you. It's Jacob Swodek from Keller Williams in Southern California. So Jacob, why don't you take a quick second and tell us a bit about yourself and why you're here. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Uh, why I'm here? <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you about myself. That might be easier. I'm a, uh, an active real estate agent, a realtor with Keller Williams in Rancho Cucamonga, which is the Inland Empire, Southern California. Uh, kind of, we were known for, we were sort of ground zero with the foreclosure market, San Bernardino, Riverside County. Um, I've closed about 1,150 transactions since I started in 1999. Um, and I also, I consider myself kind of a part-time agent. A lot of times I'm coaching, I'm training. I'm a trainer for NAR, for a couple different um, trade group organizations, minority trade group organizations. I also... I'm just uh, for hire in terms of coaching and stuff like that. I was a MAPS coach through Keller Williams. So I just love our business and um, the background in ministry. So I think that I've always thought um, my approach to real estate is really how, how can I give, how can I make everybody else's life better, whether it's my clients or other realtors. So I found a niche, uh, if you will, uh, by doing that, and it's been good to me in a lot of different ways. So thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate you being on. So I always like to start off with kind of where you came from and how you ended up getting here. So what was it like for you? You said you started in 1999. What got you into real estate and what was your business look like? Uh, what did it look like when you first got started? Yeah. So I moved to California from Miami in 1995 when I was 19 years old. I wanted a new life. That's kind of a long story. But um, I was born in Whittier, which is Southern California. Came back. And so I, you know, I got real involved in um, in the churches and ministry, helping people coming off of heroin and getting out of drugs. And I ran like a two-year rehab home and just really had a, a interesting uh, experience learning about um, that it's more about helping others than about myself. And there came a point where the my mentor said, "Man, you're good with people. People trust you. They like you. You have a, the gift of gab, whatnot." So I started doing more talks, more presenting. And then I got a job selling AirTouch cellular cell phones, and I got good at that. And then I became the manager of this phone sales company, and I just excelled in sales. And um, at some point, I realized, you know, if I didn't want to go back and finish college, what could I do where I could really live the life I want to live um, without getting a master's degree? Because at the time, that just didn't seem feasible. Um, and I had a mentor, a person I looked up to who was in real estate sales. So my first job was with a guy named Peter Gliniak. This guy's probably worth $30 million. He is literally the king of short sales. He's closed the very first short sale known um, to history in 1981 with a savings and loan in San Gabriel Valley, part of Southern California. Basically walked in with his polyester high water pants. And, uh, I mean, this guy, if you ever read the book The Millionaire Next Door, he is the epitome of that character. <laughs> he just lives simple, but he's just the guy would never be broke. And he asked, he said, you know what, you guys owe, uh, the borrower owes X to you, and the house is only worth Y. I'll give you an offer of this amount. Will you accept it? He negotiated the first short sale. So when he hired me in 1999 for $10 an hour, and I made $25 per closing, and I got my li eventually got my license that year, um, this guy, we were closing 20 or 30 transactions a month, and his kind of niche, if you will, was um, the bankruptcy attorney niche. He had a ton of 35 to 40 bankruptcy attorneys that exclusively gave him business. So I literally worked 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. almost every day 
in my 1981 Toyota truck, hanging lockboxes, taking pictures, collecting data, documentation from clients. I mean, just I've had guns pulled on me, been had my leg almost ripped apart by dogs, cigarettes flicked at my face. I mean, we worked the crazy blue collar schedule, um, but it's given me so much sales experience and people experience. Uh, but yeah, so eventually it went from a flat fee to a percentage of the closings to a partnership, and then at what at some point um, nine and a half years later we parted ways, and now I'm a little bit more of a traditional type agent. Okay, so for you, obviously, you must have carried on in that tradition of doing the short sales for yourself, then. Yeah, short sales was definitely my um, my strong point for years. I wrote the very first short sale certification called CSP, Certified Short Sale Professional. Um, it's not a big deal now, but back in the days when everybody was being short sale certified, I helped NAR write um, their short sale certification, and then also um, a guy out of Austin, Texas, who wrote um, the number one best-selling short sale certification, CDPE, Alex Sharfin, said he was inspired when he lived in Orlando by watching my old certification. So I've always done short sales. That's where me and my broker kind of um, had our parting of ways because I'm much more of the giver, educate, there's enough business for everybody. So when I started getting larger and larger crowds, when everybody thought short sales were so mysterious and magical, he thought I was giving away trade secrets and um, things didn't work out. So yeah, so short sales is where I, where I really um, earn my stripes in this business, uh, which is part of what we may talk about today is that transition from a heavy default market to really competing with the big dogs in the traditional space. But yeah, short sales is kind of where I cut my teeth. Yeah, and that's, I love knowing kind of where people came from because it helps figure out why they do what they do, um, kind of their, where they get their core from because a lot of times people will have a really interesting past in their in this business or outside of this business and it kind of helps dictates where they go with their business. And obviously your experiences have helped shape and mold who you are and where you're going. So I want to talk about that transition then from going from that short sales to being a more traditional real estate agent then. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. Uh, I will say that I've built so many great relationships as a trainer and as a coach that I'm, I've am i become really good over the years at robbing and duplicating, kind of seeing what the best of the best are doing and then kind of putting uh, it through my own lens or my own uh, filter. So what is he or she doing? They're selling... $50 million in sales a year, what can I learn from them? And um, for whatever reason, whether it's my upbringing or just my personality, I've always sort of taken a humble approach to this business, so I never feel like I haven't figured out. Matter of fact, um, one of the things I love about Gary Keller is this learning-based mindset. Um, I think the second you stop learning is when you're probably on, the, on your downturn, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, I love just copying people, but I put my own stamp on it, and then everyone else thinks, you're brilliant. I'm like, I'm really so far from brilliant. I just, I'm doing what she's doing, and she's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it was for sure, probably, if I'm being really honest, it was probably a two-year learning curve to really get my listing presentation down, my vernacular, my website, my, my look and feel, my branding, um, just my knowledge, know-how, changing my, um, my, uh, well, my branding, but just, you know, when people think of me, they thought of short sale, and it, it was tough to do that because I was making money off that. People wanted to hire me as a short sale speaker, trainer, coach, but yet then I wanted to take that hat off when I wanted to sell a standard listing, and it's easier said than done, so I really had to abandon short sales altogether 
um, to really make it um, in the traditional space. So, yeah, there's a thousand things I had to do, but the short of it is that it was pretty tedious, and um, there are a lot of people that were in the REO space, the more foreclosure space, that ended up, you know, hanging up their hat because they couldn't make that transition, and I suspect that a lot of the ones that couldn't, it wasn't because they weren't talented enough to, they just really weren't committed enough to learning the way, you know, the way that others are doing it who, who rejected short sale, and I mocked them and scoffed at them because <laughs> they're not being really relevant or, you know, in touch with today's market. Somehow they stuck to their guns and made it through the tough times and always did traditional business. And truth is, um, I'd much rather do a standard sale than a short sale, so I'm glad that I was able to stay in the, you know, in the trenches long enough to, to turn it around and now have success in that space. Yeah, and I think it's important to know that know where the market is and where you're going. We, we, I mean, the show is about niches and how important they are, but sometimes those do transition depending on what the market is, depending on who you're going after, and sometimes people lose the. They don't. They're, not, they're too short-sighted, and they don't see yeah. that, that that market is changing, and they don't change themselves. And then they either stick with what they're doing, and it doesn't work anymore, or it becomes harder and harder, or, or a more flooded market. And you need to be watching ahead. So you, you've obviously made that transition well. It took a bit of time, but you've come out and done well with it. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely um, laborsome and had some bad years. You know, you get accustomed to certain lifestyle and everybody around you just assumes you're always going to have 75 to 100 listings and during that transition it's very humbling um, you know I, had, I short sold my own house I, I de-emphasized the training and I thought you know if this is going to be a career thing for me I have to be able to uh, thrive in every market and because I started at the very very early early matter of fact almost um, from a prophetic standpoint, we were like way before anybody was in trouble in 99, but we had bankruptcy contacts, so, you know, those people were all in trouble theoretically. Yep. So I was in so early with short sales that I was actually able to ride that wave for nine years. Yep. So my, my outlook on real estate was that everyone's in trouble and they're always going to be upside down. Um, whereas today I posted on Facebook and had like 80 comments or 70 because now I'm getting beat out by Johnny discount broker who's taken a listing at 3% um, way overpriced. So now I have new problems. Before it was the <laughs> bank's not approving my short sale and the lender wants to foreclose and today it's the 3% guy who's lying about the values. So there's sharks in every sector. Um, but it's kind of fun because at least if I do get a listing that is with a, you know, a conscientious seller under the right terms and they're motivated to and, and they respect and trust me enough to go by my guidance that I can actually have a paycheck in 60 days versus, you know, 60 months. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been, a, it's been a, fun, a fun journey, and I feel like I wouldn't have it any other way because through the default space, um, I think I really earned a thick skin and, um, and, under, and, and just, I mean, I met, I had to close 900 transactions or so, 850, people that are walking away with zero dollars with no motivation. You talk about sales training, you know, with a standard sale, at least the the, the carrot at the end of the stick is you're going to walk away with your equity, you're going to be able to put a big down on your move up or move down house, you're going to retire, whatever. Whereas with a short sale, the only benefit is avoiding foreclosure and maybe some kind of bonus from the bank. Yeah. 
So it's been definitely hard knocks, but um, I love it, you know, and, and I've it's been fun sort of taking what we've learned and helping other people just fine-tune their sales skills. You know, it's funny because I, I tell people, how many questions were there on the state exam about selling or negotiating? And the answer is there was zero. Yeah. The Department of Real Estate, or now the Bureau of Real Estate in California, on our little cards, that, business cards that we put in our wallets, they call us salesperson, you know, a salesperson. And so it's fun to go back because I had some amazing mentors in my career, people that taught me how to close a deal, to negotiate, make everything a win-win. So, yeah, it just seems like an, uh, uh, it seems like the, the natural extension to it to, to train others, and it's been, it's been a fun ride. Awesome. And so I want to talk about that because you, you've done a lot of training and you do a lot of training still and you do a lot of speaking engagements and you mentioned this you do it part-time. You're running a, a good-sized team. You're doing a lot in sales volume and that's kind of what makes you you and that's kind of what, what's built up your niches. You're doing training and you're selling real estate because you before we recorded this, we talked about it's for you, it's been about the relationships and the referrals. So I want to dive into that further and how you foster those relationships and how you've made that part of your business. Yeah, and I, I wish I had the um, brilliance to say that it was all um, that it was all premeditated, but it wasn't. You know, the <laughs> truth is, I was trying to make a living as a speaker, and I started speaking at the, the biggest events. I mean, the biggest, you know, whether it's NAR or Triple Play, which is New Jersey and New York and I think uh, Pennsylvania or maybe Connecticut, they all get together and they have this huge party and I was, you know, on the big stage and I meet so many people doing talks and everybody wants to shake your hand and they want to learn about short sales and blah, blah, blah. But it took a while for me to understand that outside of the check that I got for being there for that one hour or three hours or that weekend, that I started saying out loud, I'm the Southern California guy, if you have anything... Southern California, I'm a go-to guy, and, and because my style on stage is very raw and natural, kind of funny, kind of who cares, let's just be honest, kind of like it's a support group, I don't act like I have it all together, and I have I get a really good, you know, um, I get really good feedback on my training, because I just keep it very real, yep. I'm a middle child, if that tells you anything, <laughs> so, um, anyhow, I started getting referrals from Atlanta, and Miami, and New York, and Texas, and Southern California, maybe I shouldn't say this to your viewers, but it's humongous, you know. <laughs> but I bought the website, um, Swodex Sells SoCal, and pe that's where people can give referrals. And when s anything's in Southern California, if, if you don't know someone in Fontana or in, you know, a certain place in Southern California, because there's probably 150 cities, you just think of me for SoCal. And um, I drive a Toyota Prius. I mean, I literally, I'm not a back um, yard person. I don't have like a small little geographic farm. My average listing is 45 minutes from my house, sometimes an hour, hour and a half. And that training came from Pete Gliniak, the guy that trained me, because we were in Bakersfield, Pasadena, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. It didn't matter. Wherever the business was, that's where we were. And that was very normal to me. So it was an inter it's interesting kind of how the steps of my... Uh, career have been laid out or ordained because now it's no longer the short sale niche. It's just that I go wherever the business is, and it's and you have to be good at what you do because it's hard to get a listing in a in a in a very competitive neighborhood when you're not from that neighborhood. You didn't go to school there. You didn't mm -hmm. you know, live there. So um, you know I've had to be really good on my 
my game as far as that goes. But I would say, um, I didn't do the math last year, but in 2013, 65% of my business came from referrals outside of the area. Wow. Um, last year was probably a little bit less, probably a little bit under 50%, but it's still a lot of my business. And then I have the sphere of influence, past client, um, and then Facebook stuff. I do a lot on Facebook. So it's been fantastic. I tell up-and-coming speakers, don't ever bank on that because there's a lot of elements that have to align for that to really uh, happen the way it has for me. Uh, but you have to be likable, trustworthy, and then say enough times without them thinking you're selling them. Um, I'm Southern California. I'd love to help out, you know, blah, 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 and kind of make that part of your, your spiel. But it's been fantastic. That's awesome. And I know when we chatted earlier, you'd mentioned that obviously at the end of the day, selling a house is still more profitable than doing the speaking gigs and doing that kind of stuff. For yeah, I've you, had so many coaches that tell me, you should just quit. Literally, they tell me, quit speaking, quit coaching, quit all that. Just pound the pavement. You're good on the phones. Develop a geographic farm. And I, and I just, the thought of it just gives me hives because <laughs> I, it's not who I am. Yeah. And you and I, I loved what you said, like, we both agree that real estate's a people business, and if you can, if there's an audience or a network somewhere that likes you, your goal, our goal as realtors, is to make them like you, trust you, think of you, um, even on a, a social setting, a spiritual setting, or a business setting, whatever it is. But but be smart enough that you maybe it's not your priority, but it's definitely there and present that you're a real estate professional. So when that time comes. You're the first person, the person they think of, kind of a top-of-mind mindset. And, um, again, I didn't do it on purpose. It's been just sort of by accident. But now that I look back and see the numbers and where the business comes from, now I tweak it a little bit. Now I just change what I'm saying, and I'm a little more intentional about it. And I'm a quick learner, so I figured out, hey, this is a good little um, avenue or stream to get business from to feed my family and put my kids through college. Um and so it's been a, it's been a fun ride. So for you, when you are doing these speaking gigs, is your intention there to to get business, or is it just a byproduct of it, or are you generally there just because you want to share and learn and, and do that? You know, if I'm getting paid a speaker fee, which can range from two thousand dollars for an hour if I have to get on a plane, to you know four thousand dollars for a half day or a full day, that's fine. That helps. That helps with mortgage or life insurance or whatever. So I'm definitely there for that. Um, but every now and then, like tomorrow, I'm doing a presentation. I do a lot about your elevator pitch or I do a lot of closing um, scripts, like how to close somebody uh, on a, at a listing presentation. I'm not getting paid tomorrow, but there will be 150 realtors there. And they let me set up a table and they'll let me take five to seven minutes at the end of the presentation to talk about what I do. And it's far, far enough from my home base that I can get referrals from it. Um, so I took that gig on purpose with the intention of hopefully getting either a coaching client out of it, which I'm real particular who I take, but maybe I'll find somebody, um, or a um, or referrals. You know, the weird thing about it is, it's kind of like putting seed in the ground. You know, it's not. It's you know, you don't get that immediate gratification of somebody goes, I have a referral like on the spot. <laughs> happen that way in yeah. all the years. <laughs> if you do a good enough job at making an impact on their life, making sure that I say, everybody, write my number down because you're going to need it someday, and I, I have all these things I do, uh, make my website real easy, everybody gets a card and a flyer, and then it just happens. But another thing I do, which is more intentional in the last two or three years, 
because I say, how many of you guys are on Facebook? And I tell them, isn't Facebook boring sometimes? They go, not with me. I make Facebook as interesting as it can be. I'm a little risque. I push the envelope, but I always give value to my realtor people. And I tell them about 70% of my Facebook friends are realtors. So if you're on Facebook, friend request me. I'll accept it, and let's be friends. And that's where I get so much because they already saw me, so they, they feel like they know me, right? And then from there, we become Facebook friends. And that's a lot easier than me having to come up with a email drip campaign two touches a month or whatever it is. Yeah. If you're my Facebook friend, it's automatic. And some will drop off and go, he's too much for me. And the other one, <laughs> kind of like that whole Mitch thing. Others will say, like, oh, I like him. He tells it like it is. He speaks from the heart, blah, blah, blah. And then they think of me when the time is right. Yeah. And I've heard it said that some people who are worried about people liking them, but you should have an audience that doesn't like you. Because if you don't have an audience that doesn't like you, it means you're not doing it right. So you should have that line of, there are people who are not going to connect with you and not want to work with you, and there's going to be people who are going to love working with you. And if you can, the quicker you can draw that line and, and say, this is who I am and this is who I'm not, the better you'll do in within that niche. Agreed. I mean, uh, I think we talked a little bit in our pre-interview the other day, but I go by the 95-5 rule, whether it's, you know, with Facebook or my um, direct mail or just by sphere of influence. I'm going to be me, and it just took me a lot of years. So those watching this, like, I, I know it's gutsy. It makes you feel a little nervous. But I believe, like, God, the creator, whatever you believe, made you you, and you, you need to be the best you you can be. And when you're comfortable with that, as long as you're not a jerk or you're rude or burping all the time, I mean, if you can find a good, polite you – be the best good polite you you can be and and know exactly what you just said that not everyone's going to like it but they're you're, but the 95% or maybe it's 90% depending on how likable you are they just go you know I don't know something about him or they already have a real estate connection or whatever it is but you'll get that 5 to 10% um, fan or follower who just goes man I like that guy he makes me laugh he reminds me of me or he says what I w wish I had the guts to say or whatever your niche is maybe it's not that maybe you're about dogs or you're about you know um, you know activism or whatever it is but but whatever your niche is there'll be some people that go oh he's he's a fanatic or he's too crazy but the ones that like you their loyalty is through the roof and they'll tell others about you and it's like in my neighborhood, there's realtors that kick my butt. I mean, 40, 50 million a year people, they are just, everything they do is traditional, but they're a part of every Elks club, and they, you know, they went to, from elementary to college there, they've knocked on every door, their PTA, their kids are all, I mean, there's no way I can compete with that. Zero, you know. If they show up to a listing appointment and say, I sold seven out of ten of these comps in this neighborhood, what are you going to do, you know? Well, I'm funny, and I'm on Facebook, good luck, right? <laughs> So, but my marketing is is so different that the people that may never use him or her might be attracted to what I'm saying. Yep. It's more interesting. I have their attention, and then, but I have to have the professional side, which is, and I've closed these recently. I can do the same for you. Yep. So it's not just this free for all, act silly and be rude and be obnoxious. It's it's calculated. It's about being you, um, attracting an audience, but then also have the professional side, because ultimately a seller doesn't really care if you're funny, the funny or the unique or that you like dogs or whatever, just enough to get their attention. Ultimately, they want to know, can you sell my house for top dollar fast? Are you going to answer your phone, do a good job? Or on the buy side, are you going to listen to my demands, my needs, my criteria? Are you going to be there for me? Are you a good negotiator? Can you get it done for me? The niche part is just getting their attention to attract them, and then you have to be good enough to then transition them into a client. 
Um, and I think that's the special sauce, if you will, is being able to convert from the attract phase into um, turning it into real business. And there's many agents who are themselves, and on social media, they they are them, they're who they are, and they miss that link between how do I convert that to being myself to taking them into being a client. So for yeah. you, you've obviously kind of figured that out. So what what did that look like for you then transitioning and going, okay, I'm going to be me, I'm going to be out there, I'm going to be who I am, and then how did you get that to, to be to have clients become, okay, i got to work with him. And, and Yeah, it was painful. I mean, it was uh, even relatives and friends saying, man, I don't know about your stuff, I don't know about your pieces, the things you do. Um, everybody pretty much who wasn't me kind of resisted it. And it's like anything. You hear any speech uh, from anybody who's entrepreneurial and really successful, they're like, you have to be passionate about it and believe in yourself. Um, I mean, obviously I had some confidence in who I was because I get a really good response when I speak publicly, but when it comes to um, marketing or my sort of my branding of who I am, it's so different than the average kind of boring Joe Blow agent, although I think linear bean counter smart guy with the glasses, whatever, works for some clients, you know, but I don't want the 95%. I want the five who's going to yep. use me and talk about me. So the truth is, I don't even know how it worked, except that I, I believed in it so strong. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. So I have a team, four of us, and we have a new listing, $500,000 on Sard and Altaloma. And last week, we, we had this whole professional film crew there, and we did our virtual tour for this huge open house during this weekend. And I was doing it, I was in a suit, and I had makeup, and there was lighting, and it was like, it was, everything was perfect. And I was like, cut. I go, I hate it. I just hate it. I sound... <laughs> I feel boring. I feel like I'm going to put my audience to sleep. I'm so over it. I go, let's do something different. I go, nobody laughing. Let's do this again. Ready? Roll. So, I, so I'm so i on camera, and I go, hey, everybody. I'm Jacob Swodek from the Swodek Group. Welcome to 6388 Sard, our new listing in Altaloma. Altaloma is the northern neighboring city to Rancho Cucamonga, which is an in-demand. What was that? What was Did you feel that? I know you did, because I did. You know what that was? That's the wow factor, and that's what this house has. <laughs> this house has four bedrooms, two and a half baths, 2,200 square feet, 10,000 plus square foot lot. Do whatever you want. Put in a pool if you want. So I had the funny, but then I had the, the practical. Yep. And just today, I for the first time, I saw the, um, the final version of the edited uh, video, and we're so excited about getting it out because I was telling my team, and even this production crew, I was like, Volkswagen or some big product, whatever it is, there's nothing funny about Volkswagen or Coca-Cola. There's nothing funny about any of that. But if the if the commercial is not interesting, then nobody cares about how good of a product it is. Yeah. So why why are realtors so slow or late to the game in figuring out how to make people pay attention? So for me, God's given me the ability to make people laugh, so and I'm good on camera, so I can do it. But I'm still telling them it's 2,200 feet. I'm still telling the open houses this weekend. I still have the sales record. I can still show them all the awards I've won, but I got your attention in the meantime. So it's been this like 15-year process to get comfortable enough to where I can say, I'm, you know, I, I have enough of a track record that I can, that I can do this. Maybe it'd be harder for the new guy. I don't know. Maybe not. I'd probably just coach them into a different way to do it. <laughs> um, but finding that balance between not over the top offensive weird, just attention grabbing and and kind of that niche. You know, this is who I am. And the way it encourages, you should see the emails I get people saying, since I've been following your stuff, it's encouraged me to be me, you know, more often or or to not be so boring or to be a little bit funnier. And 
I think it's awesome. I think it's empowering when we realize that you don't have to be boring to sell real estate. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, one of the past guests. I don't know if you know Kelly Scar. He's from Calgary. Um, great agent there, and he does. He's really big into video, and he put out. I think it was two years ago. He did. Uh, a blooper reel from all of his outtakes from while he's shooting the video. And there was bleeped out profanity of him screwing around, him messing up, him screwing around, just, just, it was hilarious. So he put it out there and put it out to his, uh, his database. And it was, he did like a Christmas video. It was Merry Christmas from Kelly Scar with his blooper reel. And it just took off and people just loved it because the people who would want to work with Kelly are going to, respect that and understand what it is about. And then some people said, oh, it's, it's bad, it's not professional because he swore and bleeped it out and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I don't care. He said, that's who I am. If people want to work with me, that's who I am. So and now, the question, right? Would those people who didn't like it, would they have worked with him otherwise? And I would say more times than not, the answer is no. Exactly. Everyone's going to be a critic. And so yep. if you're not my fan, if you're not telling your friends and family about me or you're not going to call me when it's time to buy or sell a house, I wish you were my fan, but the fact that you're not, it's semi-irrelevant, right? <laughs> But the ones that are sort of feeling me or, or, or vibing with me or they, they think, you know, I'm funny or they're, you know, uh, a fan or whatever, they love it. And, and you know what? And then it also has its own ramifications because if you do get boring or stale or traditional, they start to turn on you like, oh, you're getting soft. Oh, you're getting too <laughs> conservative. Like it's this neat thing. It's I, I, I mean, believe me, I'm not comparing myself to like, pop stars or whatever, but, you know, it's funny, like, some of the rap groups, I grew up listening to hip-hop, and if they, um, you know, s start coming out with stuff that's on the radio, and they start getting Christina Aguilera to sing their hook, it's easy for me to say, oh, they sold out, they sold out, because we want the raw, because I'm a fan, and I think the same thing happens, and it's such a fun thing to nurture, and then your marketing and planning meetings are all about, how can we stay in this vein, but keep it interesting, but continue to be professional, um, and that's why I agreed to do this show. I love the idea of the niche or niche, you know, because anybody I know, I was thinking of, of it um, on, while I was driving today. I can't think of one top, top agent that I know that's doing, like, legit numbers who doesn't have some kind of a niche, you know, who doesn't have something that's like, I don't do everything every coach tells me. I don't do everything everybody tells me to do. I do some of that because, you know, I... I like to diversify, but I have this thing that just works. Yeah. You know, it's brilliant. I think that, I think it's we realize we're in the people business, uh, and people need houses. So that's how we profit is off the houses, but we're in the people business. Yeah, exactly. And that's I've tried to show everybody that from this show is that at the end of the day, we're it's a transaction. We're selling houses. That's fine. But it's how you connect and how you build relationships and how you who's going to want to work with you and who you're going to want to work with is built around your niche. Uh, I said I had Jack Youngblood, who's a nudist, that you couldn't find a more defined niche and different than outside of it. I couldn't tell you the first thing. I mean, I'm nude. I've known it's been like to be nude, but I, I wouldn't know about selling houses, and she just has a, a community that that connects with her, and, and she loves what she does. And then I've had sports stars and uh, people selling condos and missile bases and at the end of the day, it's it's still the transaction, but it's the, it's the people business, and that's what people connect with. Totally, I love it. So, for you, then, what mistakes do you see agents doing then? If they are, I mean, if someone's trying to get started and trying to be themselves, what mistakes would you see in agents trying to get referrals or trying to be themselves online? You know what I think I see because at my office at Keller Williams, I'm on the ALC, and they have us meet the new agents, and the agents they they always say this: Where'd you get your signs made? Where'd you get your 
website? Where'd you get your business cards? Where'd you get your... And all they're trying to do is plug and play their face into your verbiage, your thing you're doing. And there's nobody going, well, who cares where I got my signs or who made my signs? What do you want to... Who do you want to attract? And, and, and what do you want to do in this business? Who are you? And so I think it start, has to start from the very beginning about having an, an approach to your business that who I am is pretty good. And um, NAR came out with data two years ago. 64% of all the sellers that were interviewed were either sphere of influence, past client, or a referral. So everyone's looking for this kind of magical low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit's in your iPhone, yeah. right? So if you could figure out how to make them trust you like you and pick up the phone and call you or at least talk about you when you're not around, you're going to do fine, right? So, And they already like you for you, so why would you try to be me or try to be that guy or her? So for me, it's about, and it's, I know it sounds a little bit um, idealistic. Obviously, there's some, some, uh, some principles that need to be in place, but for the most part, I would say stop trying to copy everybody and find out who are you. I mean, ideally, everybody would sit down with a, an amazing marketer, but most people don't, uh, who would ask these questions. Who, who's your audience, and what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what things do you want to come out with, what things do you want people to focus on when they think of you. you know, when you think of Michael Jordan or Albert Einstein, or that's why I love the book, The One Thing. I could go on and on, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., whoever it is. When you say these names, you think of something right away. But when somebody says Ryan or Jacob or whatever, like what do they think of? Five things, three things. Are you, you know, you do part-time bad groceries and part-time you try to sell a house, whatever <laughs> it is. What's your thing? And that and the whole one thing mindset is like that. We need to figure out who who we are, and then be consistent for years and years and years developing that brand. I don't think it happens overnight, but I think it. But I I don't know how I don't know how to make it happen. But I know how it doesn't happen. <laughs> how it doesn't happen is by trying to copy everybody else because that's just a formula for failure. And now you're throwing yourself in with the Sharps who are seasoned, have a bigger budget than you, and have a bigger Rolodex than you. And then that's why the, the, the fail rate's so high the first couple of years in the business. And then you've got to figure out a way to make the people in your iPhone respond to you and pick up the phone and call you or talk about you when you're not around. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more than that. And it's... I talk all the time about when agents are doing marketing, I find the mistake that they make is they have a marketing piece or a, mar a new website or a lead capture was a thingamajig or whatever, and they watch some webinar or they read some blog or they find out about something and they go, okay, I want this, now I want to apply this to my audience. And I always tell go. people, like, you need to start with your people first. Who do you want to attract first? And then build your marketing around that. And if you try to fit a marketing piece into an audience, it's not going to work. And mm -hmm. this audience is going to respond differently to something than the other audience is going to respond to. And it's it always goes back to starting with the people and how do you connect with them and building the best ways to connect and build relationships with them. Totally. Yep. It's good stuff. So for our listeners, can you just share one last piece of advice then for them if they are thinking about... Uh, doing agent-to-agent -agent referrals? Because obviously they they may not be a public speaker like yourself. What's one way that agents could get out there and get more agent referrals? You know, um, one of the things I've done, and I learned this from my buddy Nolly Williams at Keller Williams, the, the black guy that wears a big cowboy hat, kind of the short sale guy. He's kind of like an icon in the Keller world, is that we do two things, and I offer this. Um, I offer 30% referral fee versus the traditional 25. This is just me. 
And then on a listing, if I take the listing and it's a traditional sale and I advertise this, I'll pay $1,000 of the 30%. So it's, it's, it's not an addition to 30%. It's towards the 30% um, up front within 10 days of taking the listing. Wow. And the truth is um, a lot of realtors aren't as rich as they pretend to be on Facebook. <laughs> And so, getting money up front and thirty percent, and if you're good at what they do, uh, if you're good at what you do and have a solid reputation, um, there's that. The other thing is, I would say, be a part of all these online, these Facebook referral groups, yep. and just troll those groups. Have your team trolling those groups. I got two last week just from that, and I made a video specifically just for that. Um, uh, if anybody wants to watch it, the website I created a domain for it. TSGvideo.com. T as in Tom, S as in Sam, G as in girl. TSGvideo.com. So when I'm competing for a referral, on top of the fact that I'm private messaging my buddies saying, hey, jump on and give me a shout out, you know? Yep. On top of that, because it's real business, this feeds my family. Yep. Then I'm also talking about my 30%, thousand up front, and then I'm sending a link to my video because we all know once they see you and hear you and experience you, their chances of trusting you just go through the roof. So if you really want to have a, a thriving referral business, I think you have to have some things in place, a system, maybe even a website where they can fill out a form and where you talk about your 30% with some testimonials, stuff like that. Um, but I think you got to stand out. I don't think you're going to do it just by being good looking or because you're an awesome agent. Well, that's true. My chances up then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. But you know what I mean? I think you got to do some stuff. You, I mean, you got to appeal to their senses, which is their dollars, their vi visual. They want to watch the video. Yep. And then, they, you know, give them something right now up front that they can that they can benefit from. Yeah, that's great advice. So, Jacob, we really appreciate being on the show. Um, you mentioned that uh, website, but what are the other ways that our viewers can check out uh, what you're up to and how they can connect with you? Yeah, if they have a referral for me, they can send it to, or they want to just learn about what we do. It's um, theswodekgroup.com. Swodek is S as in Sam, W-O-D-E-C-K, theswodekgroup.com. Or for referrals, it's Swodek Sells, SoCal, S-O-C-A-L.com. And um, if they want me to speak or come coach or do a presentation, they can get a hold of me either of those ways as well. Awesome. And I we'll appreciate the opportunity. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. We'll put those in the show notes for the listeners to check out. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate being on the show. It was great advice, and it's awesome to see someone who's as passionate and loves what they do and just being themselves. So. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Thanks to Aaron Woodman. Shout out, Aaron. <laughs> he's a great past guest too. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks good. for being on. Thanks. Take care. Have a good trip. Thanks. Okay, bye.